Hey, Jason, again, I really hope you can coordinate with Joe Richter to get him on the show to talk backstories. I think that would be a fascinating conversation be because I think that this is one of those topics that it's easy if we leave messages for each other to seem like we're on opposite ends of the world. And you guys might be diametrically opposed, who knows? But but I think these kind of conversations sometimes message sometimes you can leave messages back and forth and it works. And other times you have to ha you know sit down, have a beer together, and, and you can do that virtually. Um, Joe will have his Rainier, and you can have what, what do you guys drink up there? Molson. I, I don't know what you drink up in Canada, um, but I, I know you drink milk out of a bag. But but anyway, but you, you guys can sit down and, and actually have a real conversation. I think it, it would be a very intriguing conversation. So I, I hope that can happen. <sighs> Sorry, I had to finish that big glass of milk out of the bag. Um, uh, that might be something that can happen. Let's let's see what Joe thinks. Hey, Kevin, it's Joe. I would absolutely love to sit down and talk to you about this stuff. That 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 would be super fun, man. If you have the technical know-how to make that happen, sign me up, dude. <laughs> I do not have that technical know-how, man. I can click a link and meet somebody somewhere, but that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. I think it would be really fun, and I could talk about how even if you do have a character backstory, you can still improv off the cuff, and you can still ask the Dungeon Master if you might know somebody in this town hence them being additive and not subtractive they're dope peace out never let it be said i don't give the people what they want welcome to the red caps podcast a podcast where we dip our caps in the blood of our listeners and we ramble on a bit old school games in today's episode we are going to have another special guest you've heard him here at the beginning of the episode joe richter from the hindsightless podcast is going to be joining us and we're going to be doing some conversations about backstories as you know no mortal can run a red cap so i said hope you sit back listen and enjoy so i'm going to hand this over to past joe and past kevin take it away gentlemen i have Joe Richter from Hindsightless here with us. And Joe gave a call in uh, in response to an episode I was doing talking about backgrounds. And I was saying how, um, for me, I find backgrounds to be a little bit of a, of a pain. And I think motivations are cool, but back, backgrounds are a little bit, um, at least before the game, backgrounds are a little bit of a pain in my, in my viewpoint. I don't really care for them. Uh, I don't care if you create them as a player, but I'm probably not going to use them as the GM until you know, they become relevant. So you had an, you had a differing of opinion, um, which is great because so often the call-ins are just people all agreeing with each other. So I like the fact that there's somebody who's not just agreeing with me. <laughs> so tell me what the issue is, and then I will refute or or uh, expand further on what my viewpoint is if, if, I, if I think there's a difference here. Okay. Um, like I said before, I think backstories are the greatest gift a player can give to a DM because the DM doesn't have to use them, but there is so much fodder for adventures, for engaging the player, for making them happy. Uh, I, I don't see any negatives at all to them because you don't have to use them. You can choose to pick and choose what you want to take from there. You don't have to use the whole thing. So I view them as completely additive and not subtractive. And I, I, I don't see the downside to them. Okay. So here's, here's my, here's a couple of questions I got then. Um, when you're playing, 
there, there's there's an age old saying that the game happens at the table. Is that something you would agree with? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So if the game's happening at the table and somebody spends a bunch of time away from the table crafting their backstory, mm -hmm. they're basically writing a fan fiction. Uh, even if they're doing it well before a game even starts, they're writing a fan fiction about a world they may not know about, complete, about a character they may not know about. When I play, I find, uh, as a player, I often don't know who my character is until after I've played for a while and seen what my party's like. And, and you know, my character develops um, more improv style than than, than a theater. So actually, that might be the best way of putting it. I find a lot of time when I'm playing, it's more of an improv than a pre-written theater play. So I discover my character, same as I discover the world as I'm playing, not so much where I want to pre-prescribe because then if I, if I, if it's written down and I've, and I, like I might come into the game with a pre idea in my head, but if it's only in my head, it can be changed. But once it gets written down, once it's down on that character sheet, it feels like that's, that is now canon. That is how this character is. And once you get a session or two in, maybe you're like, that's, I don't, I, a, I don't even like that character or B, no, that's not how that character is going to interact with this world. So, it, so and, that, and that way it becomes a subtractive because you've now locked yourself to something rather than it being an addition. Right. I, I, I think the problem here is I'm talking about a backstory, not describing the personality of the character. Well, your I'm backstory is your the foundation. This right, is what happened. So now you can improv off of that. You have to have something to improv off of. But you're, if you're, your backstory, um, is your your personality in many ways? I mean, that's what that's what shapes you. That's that's what is going to if if you're creating a if you're going to rewrite a back if you're going to write a backstory, that's defining how you're going to be viewing the world, without ever having that's viewed the world. Defining how you view the world once the game starts. Right after the game starts, you're free to do whatever you want. Then why not just do it where you discover the world because you don't know what the world's like before the game starts unless well, you have some idea. Like if you're playing a game with, like say microscope where you're collaboratively building the world then sure. yes by all means or if you're going to run a long-term campaign and you decide as a gm hey i don't want to take on all the world building myself i'm going to bring everybody in yeah sure totally on board with that because that's that's the purpose of the of that you're you know you're doing a world building game before you play the, the role-playing game which is great mm -hmm. But if you're coming in on a one shot or something, or oh, well, or yeah. on a or on a small like small campaign, or if you're coming into an established game already, you don't necessarily know that much about this world. And Fair. It, it, we're not to so just to put my I'm not talking about bringing a backstory to a one shot. I don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much only run campaigns, right. uh, long running campaigns. So. That that's where I'm cut. Bringing a what a backstory to a one shot is silly, right? Like nobody's doing that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a character backstory for a character that you're going to play for a while. See, and yeah, I still I still think that it's it's more at least for me. Against when I play as a player, I find it restrictive. I don't see how because because I, I, I like the idea that I can bounce off of. That, that it doesn't become canon until it happens at the at the table. Like I'm a thief. Mm -hmm. I probably trained somewhere or got some sort of thiefly skill somewhere. Yep. But I don't need to define where it is until it becomes important. And hey guys, we're gonna go into this town. Hey GM, do I know anybody in this town? Yes, you do. Okay. Could it possibly be the thieves guild? Great. And then if he wants me to create up the name for the thieves guild, 
perfect. I'll often do that with, with like clerics. What's the name of the God you're doing? Um, when it becomes relevant, like, oh, I'm going to pray to the God. Okay, great. What's the name of the God? That God now exists in the world. But you, I'm doing it in the moment of play rather than saying, here, give me what the name of the God is and everything beforehand. Sorry. Go away, phone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think having that stuff up front, it, it also leads to the... When the person does it right, it's probably not as bad. But when it's done wrong, it's done terribly wrong. Right, but that's get... the problem with the player, not with backstories in general. Right, but backs... asking for that up front is asking for that problem um, to occur. So I have a question. <laughs> Are, would you be okay with a character in a dungeon all of a sudden being like, hey, GM, I find a 10-foot pole on the floor. I have that now. Is that cool? GM like, could say... quantum equipment? Um, the player could say, hey, uh, is there anything here of use? And oh, I could but roll they, also, up. they say, I find one. I find one. I have one now. That's To me, that's the same thing as saying, oh, we're going into this town. This is where my Thieves Guild was. It's no, you, no, you, see, it's, but you see, no, but you see, you got, got it backwards. It's you ask the DM first, hey, would I know anybody in this town? The DM can do a roll and say, yep, okay, yeah, you do. Um, or if, hey, I searched this room. Is there anything in here? I roll. Oh, yeah. The table says that there's there's this much there's these items in there. So you don't really have control over your own backstory then in that situation. It's you're discovering it as you go. So you're same as you're discovering the world. The, the dice are also uh, incorporating some of the things that you know. Doesn't mean that you that if if the dice came up and said no, you don't know anybody in this town. Doesn't mean you don't know anybody in a different town, or that you didn't know a different thieves guild. But this particular town, no, because the dice said no. Uh, but it's funny you mentioned the whole uh, quantum thing because I, I actually uh, one of my preferred ways of handling inventory, especially not for like um, weapons or potions or magical items, but for like mundane uh, standard items like rope and spikes and ball bearings, that sort of thing. I actually do quantumize those out and have a have a thing called supply and people can just trade. They can buy supply and then when they're in the dungeon, they can trade supply for item, whatever. Um, and it's I like that approach. Yeah, I think it's fun. There are definitely people out there that do not like that. Yeah. Um, and for and for me, that's just a way to avoid, again, letting the game happen at the table, having that be something where uh, rather than having to detail plan out the fact that, oh, yeah, I had six ball bearings and I had all these things in town and doing that ex exhaustive shopping and all that stuff, it can just be like, yeah, I've got general supply and when I figure out what I need, it's... I find it keeps the game going faster and it's in the moment and you you discover it as you go like oh yeah this situation called for this so i use my my quantum <laughs> um, supply to use it but uh so once it's observed i i do agree with you about you know not having quantum ogres um uh although you know sometimes quantum ogres are a great way if players are indecisive about what they're doing for a long period of time maybe quantum ogres show up but in general i agree with what you're saying of like it's it's a uh, it's railroady or almost cheating in a way of like like where things are aren't there that should or are yeah, there that shouldn't be there. The illusion of choice. You're not really yeah. giving them a choice. You're letting them think they have a choice, but they really don't. Right. And well, I mean, that's that's why I really like discovering it as you go because then you you know you have the choice. Like you, hey, you you, you tried to see if this worked. If it did, great. Then that happened. If it didn't, then you know the world said no. Sorry. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I think I like backstory being backfilled. You backfill it as you play. 
upfront backstory is what I have the issue with. So it's not backstories in general. I, I think having a personal history is good, but it's like having it discovered while you play. Yeah, I just think there's so much more you can gain from having a backstory in advance for as a DM for you to be like, cool, I can add this stuff to my world. This is awesome. I hadn't thought of this idea before. This is fantastic. Like, while at the same time, that player can also improv off of their backstory, which is what it's all about anyway. Like, that's what I mean by saying it's added. Like, for instance, Daniel Norton of Bandit's Keep told this story. He hates backstories too, about how a player <laughs> was a king, like was a prince of a kingdom and stuff. And so Daniel was like, Sorry folks for the salty language. Uh, Joe went on a little bit of a tirade there, but Daniel uh, apparently has some sort of big beef, but back to the normal interview now. And so what he did was when they finally ventured to that player's kingdom, he had demolished it. And it led to all these awesome adventures of finding out what happened and everything. And it totally changed the campaign. It was very cool. That's the kind of stuff you can do with a backstory, a pre-written backstory. Yeah. I don't, I find, I, I guess maybe my opinion of them is tainted more because of how many bad ones I've seen. How many of them I've seen where, the backstory makes that character out to be a bigger hero in their backstory than they ever become in their front story, like in, in, in actual play. Yeah, like it's the unreliable narrator who doesn't hype themselves up, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. But how many, how many times have you gotten the same backstory of uh, so-and-so is the, uh, they're now an orphan, but really their father was part of this mass. Like it, not everybody needs the hero origin. Um, Luke Skywalker did not have an amazing backstory that you knew of until way later on. Like you discovered that way later. It wasn't front loaded up front of what Luke Skywalker's backstory was. That was something that was revealed. And the reveal was what was so cool about it, right? Um, you know, the fact like, we didn't know that Vader was his father up front. Um, right, but George Lucas did. Great. <laughs> but, that's what but, but the rest of everybody, everybody who's playing the game, though, or everybody who's the, the character didn't know that. <laughs> and, and, right. the, and and the character discovering that, uh, had the character known that ahead of time, it would have changed their whole outcome on it. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like the, you know, finding out stuff later on allows it to be more grounded because again, unless you're doing this huge collaborative world building, how can that player know how to fit that in? Or either that or you're putting all the work on the DM and now the DM has even more work trying to incorporate even some level of backstory from, you know, four to however many players you've got, three to four. Well, I love six. that, man. Uh, see, I think that I think that might be another difference is just on the amount of time I want to spend prepping on the game. I, th I think that might be part of it too, is that I want to get in, I, tr I try to keep the games relatively low prep only prep what i need for the next session so oh. if i'm only prepping what i need for the next session i don't want to be trying to backstory fill in the entire world that way um so you don't world build at all before you start a new campaign i've got general ideas but i don't i'm not deciding what gods are going to be here because i'm i view it as i will decide that when it becomes relevant if nobody if, if, there, if we end up not having any clerics or they never go to a to a uh, to a temple or if they never see there's no point in me spending that time 
figuring out what the Pantheon is. See, that's that's fun for me, man. It's I love it that. is, but that's but that is a for me that is an almost an entirely different hobby. World building and role playing games, while they definitely have the you know the Venn diagram definitely has a huge overlap. They to me those are almost two different things. It's like sure, yeah, I can see that. It's like uh, when you get heavily into the world building, you're almost to the point of novel writing, right? Um, I, I I feel like that really Static appeals writing. to, yeah. It, you're, it feels like you're appealing more to the to the type of of DM or player that really likes the idea of man. My phone is popular today. Popular, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, it, it feels like it appeals more to the type of player that. Uh, wants to play and then write their epic fantasy novel, which there is nothing wrong with. I think that's really cool, but right. um, it's it's different than just sitting down to play. Um, so yeah, I. What, what's I, different about it? What's different about it is, yeah. again, I think it, it's 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 too prescriptive. It's too. I don't hey, think it's prescriptive at all. It's not prescriptive. It's no more prescriptive than just sitting down at the table and playing. Now there's just a playground to play in. It's not just this blank space. Yeah, but you've got it's it's prescriptive because now if suddenly the players have this idea of, hey, we want to go to this thing. If you hadn't already come up with that, then you come up with it then. Yeah, but you've got so much other stuff you've got to work so around with. Why is that a problem? Uh, I guess I'm just not good enough to flip that that quickly at the table. I want. It's it's kind of like whenever you see people do the, do the um, they want to do a hex crawl, mm -hmm. and instead of just designing you know four or five hexes out from where a player would be, they do up like a forty by forty hex and they key every single one of them. Yeah, to me that's insane. To me that's like good on you, but um, do that if you want to sell the product. Sure, like you know if you're publishing Barrow Maze, go ahead and build that mega dungeon like that. <laughs> but if you're not going to be selling that product. I mean, that's that's a whole ton of work. And if that's your hobby, that's great. But that takes a lot of time. And yeah. that be, and that takes a lot of... Um, uh, it's very hard to keep that consistent and realistic and what have you. Whereas reacting to a small area and then later on going back and trying to figure out, you know, how do I make this work forward, I think is easier. At least in my workflow. I think that's... And I, and I think that's why you hear that same sentiment is that there's a there's a lot of dms i think that that don't do maybe world building the same way that that you're describing they they do it more of hey i'm going to i'm going to prep for the session ahead of me and that's it and then i will figure out what happens afterwards because i think if you if you i think you run the danger of if you do a ton of world building chances are you're probably trying to plot out your adventure really far ahead and you oh. you start you start no. flirting or some dms would start flirting with that dangerous railroad um area where hey i'm now too invested in my own story i'm too invested in my my own uh world i've built so you all have yeah. to go this way that's not a good dm no but that it <laughs> happens more often than not so i i think that's why i, you I don't know does it happen more often than not does it when i when i go if, if i'm uh, that's it's a bad um it's a, it's a horrible uh reference point for evidence but when you when i go looking on say uh, a random reddit or something and i'm like somebody's like posting up there here's my backstory and here's our here's our plot for what our campaign's going to be it's like how do you know that already like how do you know that 
by se- session seven, they're going to meet the, like, you don't know that. Um, so, here, so here's something that happened in my, the last campaign I run, I ran. So I, I generally build a world. I built this pretty cool world. There was a bunch of stuff in it. It was by the uh, ocean and shit. They were going to, they were doing a bunch of stuff in the city and they went down to the docks and there were some people going on a treasure hunt that I had no idea what these people were doing. It's just an offhand comment I made. And the players are like, Ooh, do we want to go with them? And that would have changed the entire thing. Like they would have gone to some area of the world that I hadn't even thought about before. And I was like, yeah, do you guys go like, and if they went, that would have been awesome. That would, we would have figured it out after that. So yeah, I just don't see it as restrictive in the slightest bit. I mean, you have to have some parameters when you're being creative, like that helps to be creative. Now you have this whole world that the players can bounce off of. And if they've helped to contribute to that world, it gets them more engaged. It makes it more fun for them. So I just don't see a downside to it. I I will agree with you to the point of, I think if you are going to run a super long term campaign and you're in the world building, involving the players in the world building is not a bad idea. As long as you're doing it in the sense of, hey, come and help build the world. I still think that the players should start off I guess I guess maybe that's a, a, a another thing is I prefer the you know the fresh off the farm start as nobody build yourself into a into a hero as opposed to the hey I came from this and yeah. became it. Um, if you tell that to your players beforehand, like this is the kind of stuff I like. Yeah. it's all about that communication. There, that I do agree with you. That's that's a whole different topic on a, a different that encompasses a whole bunch of other items in RPG world that I have issues with. But I agree with you completely that having that good communication, especially from the get go, right. uh, solves ninety nine percent of your problems. Absolutely. Uh, um, so zero disagreement there. Yeah, nice. But I I I, I don't know. I still have a hard time. Uh, and again, maybe it's more that a lot of the games I've been playing lately don't end up being, you know, more than a dozen sessions long. Sure. Uh, yeah. You don't need a backstory for that. So are you, are you're familiar with, uh, I haven't, and I'm going to open this can of worms with it without having enough information. So it's something where I will go back and ask the person in question, but you're familiar with Shea Webster Roleplay rescue. I assume Yeah. Uh, He's starting up a new game uh, that he wants to basically call his infinite game or a game that never ends, uh, playing for the sake of playing, uh, essentially a consistent world that all his games will take place in moving forward. I don't know, and I have to ask him, he may have, but I don't know that he's done massive world building on it or if it's going to be the other way around. That would be, I'm more thinking out loud here than really asking a question, but I think, I think that would be something interesting to, to ask him to find out which way he's doing that. Yeah, well, no, I'm I'm actually I'll just pick him on his Discord here later, but um, it's a it's an interesting idea to see if that's something he plans on doing or if he wants to have it be discovered as it goes. Um, I don't know if we're any closer to an agreement, but uh, but <laughs> or or if we're just more entrenched on the same things. But I think I think I do agree with you on depending on your players and depending on if if you're doing a long term campaign. Doing a backstory while you're world building, sure. But if you're not doing in-depth world building, if you're more allowing your world to be built at the table in the moment, more improv, then I don't see the the addition of, of a backstory. Exclusive though. 
they are proving it that they are exclusive that they're separate they're not they can work together just fine i don't know how you can have a fully realized understood world but then just be willing to just change something because uh, you don't fully understand the world nobody knows everything about the world right well some people do go ask no, somebody who plays her those people <laughs> yeah <No. laughs> but i don't know I, I i think that there is a unless you're willing to go down that path i don't i don't see how it's it's great although i i do i do believe that you can have simple motivations for what you want a character to accomplish without having to have a backstory. I think that was the the whole genesis of this conversation was I was mentioning that I think- I don't uh, see the difference there. Cause like, I can think I can think of a player that says, hey, I wanna go see snow for the first time. And then you should ask your, that the follow-up question to that is why? And that's no. the backstory. No, I I, th I think the, the follow-up, I don't even think there is a follow-up question on that. I think it's just this player wants to do that. That is going to be their motive. I don't, as a D, as DM, right. I can I can I can address it or not, but that's that's something that the player has internally that they want to do. Totally, they want their character to go see the snow. Why do they want that? That's how the engagement starts. Then you can start working with that. Yeah, I just I don't think that that needs to be worked out. Why? Maybe that's just that day that the player it's themselves was like, hey, you know what? We never see snow in fantasy games. Let's see if my player go see snow. Yeah, and that's fine answer. <laughs> That's like, a totally I, fine answer. And it's like, cool, this player doesn't really care about that. They just want to have some fun. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going in this exact same circle, but um, so I, I will concede to the point of if you're doing a massive world building, sure. I think on anything shorter than a, uh, than a super long campaign, backstory I don't feel is, is useful. Um, in fact, I think it can be a distraction or a problem or extra workload on a DM. I think was where my point was coming across on it earlier. If you're playing in a one shot, I can see the point that a backstory is silly. So at what point does it no longer become silly? One, if the DM is interested in it. Two, if it's something you want to do. Um, I mean, I wrote a backstory for this. I didn't write a backstory. I recorded a backstory for this little four-shot cyberpunk game that I'm recording with Jason or playing with Jason, a band or of a Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, Daniel's playing in that too, just for me. That was just for me. Oh, and and don't get me wrong. I, I guess maybe my my, although I I do think it's it's beneficial to the player to also this not lock themselves into it and and. I think there's a huge benefit of discovering stuff as they play. If they decide they want to go off and do what I am not just kind of discouraging a player from having that fun. If that is fun for them to do, I think that is great. Bad in the distraction. I think and it's a bad distraction it. to bring it to the DM. And you are it. I would do it. <laughs> I think it's I think it's bad to bring it to the DM and expect the DM to do anything with it. If you're if you're like, hey, you know, I'm I'm as a person, I just want to have you know write more backstory for my own character. Knock yourself out. Right but don't but don't saddle it to the to the to the dm i don't think unless it's asked for um because the dm is looking to do that world building because i think i, mean, if I you... think that's another difference maybe like i generally play with my friends not right. with strangers that like so with my home group they're my friends so if my friend gives me something it's like i wrote this thing will you read it that's my friend asking me to read something that's that's cool true um i think i think i think it's just yeah, it might also be a familiarity with the people that you're playing with. Right. But it can come off as 
if that person doesn't know anything about the world and they just, hey, here's my three-page backstory, which involves kingdoms that never existed in this world before, or the DM's going, dude, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, you're, 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 you're putting extra extra time and everything into, into that person's life. And then there is a, like a social uh, pressure to then, well, this person put all this time into writing this. I got to find some way to help make that happen for them. Um, and then you're, it's, it's screwing up other stuff or, or adding more time to you that you could have been spent doing something else. So unless it's, unless it's asked for, I don't think it's a, but since you don't already have your story plotted out, it's not messing anything up because your story's not plotted out until, until it comes up to like, well, no, we don't have any kingdoms over there. This was, this world was, didn't have that. Or, you know, the same as when the person comes to the table before session zero and already knows they're going to play, uh, uh, an elf. An elf fighter, like, uh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're like, no, that, that, none of that stuff's been decided, right? Like, you know, it's, session zero was where you set out all those all those ideas. So if you come in with a, a character prepackaged ahead of time, you're you're kind of missing out on finding out what happens. Yeah, the perfect time to write a backstory is after that session zero. Well, then it, then it, then it would be during the game, right? Because well, session zero should be part of the game. <laughs> yeah, but you. Well, the campaign hasn't started, right? Or else you'd call it session one. Uh, I don't I, I'm a big believer of you try to get a game happening, like some sort of gameplay happening during your session zero. Um, so you're not just spending the, you know, everybody's time is limited. Right. Uh, and, and so like, if, if you if you manage to get a group of three or four people together, even if it's like simply you rolled up characters, now everybody's going to go and, uh, you know, kill a boar in the forest or something do something so that there's a gameplay aspect there <laughs> otherwise otherwise uh, you're, you're killing some time that you could have been using playing the game yeah. but so yeah so i don't know if we're any further in agreement but i understand where you're coming from i i, I and i totally don't disagree with you that in the right situations a backstory can be really cool i just don't think that those right situations are in any way the majority of the games played i think they're more of the ideal games where you'd be like yes i finally got a group of people that we can commit to a long-term campaign and we're all going to build this cool world and it's Those the same as it's, the games i play and i envy you on that because <laughs> that does not games i play man you know i, I don't I, I, I don't play up until the pandemic played with the same group every week long-term campaigns multi-year campaigns uh the pandemic messed all of that up and then i started playing online before that i only played in long-term campaigns right yeah, and you're more of a more of a pathfinder adventure path type player or you just no, your I, stuff? I, I don't run pre-written adventures okay it's just pathfinder that you that you was was your main game or is your main game i'm not sure yeah which... it's, that's my system yeah yeah that's, I, I know it like the back of my hand i run it with no books or anything um yeah on uh on a completely separate topic um out of morbid curiosity pathfinder 2 uh yay or nay i we were the first homebrew pathfinder actual play podcast my show wheeler woe um i ran it for like two years and it's cool i know pathfinder one so much better you know it's hard for me to switch over and learn a whole new system because they made a lot of changes and there's some pretty interesting changes it's, it's fine it's fine it's fine is it is there a 
uh, because I'm not real in depth on on the Pathfinder scene, mm-hmm. is there is there a a, a solid debate uh, or a split of the community between one and two the way there is say between five E and every other edition? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, there are detractors. Obviously, there are people that are like forget Pathfinder 2 it's crap and other people are like Pathfinder 1 is old and stupid but for the most part it's not like that but you'll always have your outliers it's right. nowhere near like the OSR versus 5e problem <laughs> yeah and I honestly think that that is I think I think the OSR and 5e from a gameplay perspective have have less um, differences between them than most people think I think the issue is more the playing culture uh, between the two groups um and, and a lot of that comes down to age yeah previous experience age and how they were first introduced to the hobby right i think it's the biggest thing but that is probably all i've got on this one is there anything else you want to smack me with on uh on backstory that i i need to take away of, or that you want to mention to everybody that i haven't that we haven't already done yeah i mean they're you don't have to have them <laughs> You don't have to have them. And Joe says you don't have to have them. I will say, he so he's taken my view of you don't need to have them. I will say they aren't a bad thing in the right situation. There you go. See? Hey, we, we've, we've, we've came together, man. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, Joe, uh, you have you have a podcast. Um, I don't know if you got a website or anything, but do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? And Yeah. Uh, I, I have a podcast called Hindsightless. It comes out sporadically uh i have an actual play that is no longer being recorded but it ended at the end of a story arc there's 156 episodes over 200 hours it's called wheeler woe like the D kind of wheeler woe w-e-a-l wheel um check that out and i'm on discord twitter i'm the blind rat i'm easy to find awesome well thanks very much for coming in and doing this i appreciate it um I'm, I'm trying to make it so that when I get interesting uh, voicemails like this, rather than just going back and forth on the voicemail, I think it's it's useful to have, to have the conversation. Plus, it's just kind of cool to see the face of the people that I talk to. Oh, on. <laughs> fun. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome, man. You're a cool dude. I really appreciate you having me on. It's It was really fun. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Go check out Joe, and um, we'll talk again soon. Peace out. Thank you very much, Joe, for uh, joining me here on the podcast and going through all that. Uh, Before we exit out, I did have another voicemail on this topic uh, from John over at the Red Dice Diaries, and he had a really interesting point about role-playing out the backstory a little bit. So I'm going to play his voicemail, and then we'll end off the episode. So take it away, John. Hey there, it's John calling from the Red Dice Diaries. Just calling about your latest episode on the voicemail catch-up and regarding the subject of character backgrounds that Joe's calling specifically. And yeah, don't get me wrong, bit of a background's okay. That's absolutely grand. But in general, I prefer people not to have massive voluminous backgrounds before they start in a game, particularly if it's something like D&D, because we all know what the basic motivations are in D&D. We don't need a humongous background to decide that. And to be honest, the the difference between coming up with a background at the start and something that develops through play is a bit like if you're watching a film, do you prefer to actually see stuff on the screen or do you prefer to have a character monologue and tell you about it? And I know which one of those I prefer. Also, I think you're robbing yourself of a potential future avenue of interest.
and that is flashbacks. Because to be honest, if someone comes up with a very rough background, I'd rather later on fill it in via a flashback, you know, not when it becomes relevant or when you've got a bit of a, a bit of space to do so, because it's more immediate. And how much more interesting is it actually getting to play through the events of your background that have only been hashed out roughly, rather than just the GM looking at a piece of paper or something you've written out sort of on your own, not really involving anyone else. Whereas a flashback, you can get other players involved, you know, maybe portraying NPCs and stuff like that, and it all develops collaboratively in play. Anyway, that's just my two goal pieces thoughts worth on it i'll catch you soon take care well thank you very much john i agree with you and i hadn't actually thought of the whole role playing out the backstory in terms of this discussion but that is a fantastic point and something that i do really really like uh being able to involve everybody in it because then not only is uh the player who has the backstory invested in it but now all the other players at the table would be as well so yeah i really like the idea of using a flashback and i think that strikes a really excellent balance between what i was saying in terms of you know finding out your backstory while you're at the table uh, and uh, some of the other stuff that was mentioned. So thank you very much for the call in and everybody, please do go and subscribe to hindsightless. Uh, it's a fantastic podcast. Joe is a fantastic person and I had a really great time chatting with him today. Well, folks that wraps up this episode of the red caps podcast. I hope you enjoyed. You learned something and that you're eager to come back for more. Please subscribe in your podcasting app of choice. And if there's an option to leave a review, it would warm my cold little heart if you could do so. I'd love to hear from you, so if you head over to anchor.fm slash theredcaps, you can leave me a voicemail. Or if you have Twitter or Facebook, you can find me at theredcapsnet. Remember, never let your caps dry out. Stay safe, have fun, we'll talk again soon. Take care.